Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Awesome in Seattle podcast. This is your host, Christian Awesome of the Awesome and Awesome Group at Wilson Realty. And we're really excited to bring you this podcast and drill down into the core reasons of why you should stop renting. We want to give our listeners and potential home buyers clarity on the current climate and how a fluctuating market may have less impact on the stability of housing and home ownership than you're bled to believe in the nightly news. Even though we've touched on some of these concepts in the past year, we're pulling all this critical information into one podcast today. And we have a special guest appearance from our friend, mortgage advisor Dan Keller on here in the second half. Uh, But before we dive into that, I really got to introduce my co-hosts, the awesome agents of the Awesome Awesome Group. Today, I am joined by the one, the only, Melanie Gadami, Mel G. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining. We also have the data guru, Mr. Jason Saldariaga. You do? <laughs> oh <my God>. Apparently. <laughs> uh, before we get into some of the challenges of the current Seattle rental market, I'm going to hand it off to Mel to discuss why it's often a great idea to buy a home instead of renting. So Mel, what are kind of the top five reasons to stop renting and to buy? Yeah, thanks, Christian. We have the same conversation with a lot of potential home buyers. Renting become very comfortable, but there are so many reasons that buying a home makes sense. I'm going to touch on those five reasons. Number one being tax benefits. So let's tackle the money first. Sure, it seems like it costs more to own a home, but the government actually encourages home ownership through the tax code. We cover this whole subject in detail on episode 58, so I encourage you to check that episode out for more details. Number two being appreciation and wealth building. Again, more financial benefits are at the top of this list. I'm sure more renters have heard what I'm about to say, but that's because it's true. If you're going to pay to have a roof over your head, you might as well get the added bonus of the property being worth more over the years. Seattle home buyers have appreciated a ton over the last five years. The medium home price five years ago was $700,000 versus today, it's almost a million. So real estate is a great wealth builder. Number three being you get to make it your own. If you've had landlords gracious enough to let you paint the walls in your rental home, I would say you're pretty lucky. Yeah. Yep. Unless they let you paint them and then they, at the end of the day, they're like, oh, you owe me like. Yeah. Your entire string right. deposits. Like, yeah. What? Yeah. Exactly. Or you have to paint it back the way it was when you moved in. Yeah. Right. Which mm-hmm. defeats the whole purpose. Yep. Many tenants can't even do the slightest upgrades in their home, let alone taking out a wall to open up the space in a room or renovating a bathroom or a kitchen. Well, and nor would you want to because you don't own the place, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. You know? Why would you want to yeah. you know, spend all that money and effort into upgrading someone else's house that you don't get the benefit of other than getting to use it for that short time that you lease it out? Exactly. All right. Moving along to number four, which is your monthly payments can't increase. If you're on a fixed rate mortgage, the amount you pay each month is calculated from the very beginning and will remain the same as long as you own the home. Yeah. And the only thing that could potentially change is you know your property taxes or property insurance homeowners insurance those could increase slightly but that's not going to make a gigantic difference every single year in your monthly payment yeah and keep in mind when you're renting not to be the third 
wheel here and tag on. But uh, <laughs> if you're renting those expenses, the uh, insurance and, and taxes, those are going to be passed on to you regardless. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, you, you, there really is no way to escape that. Exactly. So however, if you are renting, you can definitely expect rent increases year over year. In Seattle, probably 9% each year. But we'll talk more about that later in this episode. Yep. Right. So moving on to number five, an opportunity to build your community. When you put down roots as a homeowner, you'll probably feel a greater sense of belonging and a stronger motivation to build your community. When you own a property, local amenities like schools, parks, libraries, shops, and restaurants, and corner stores, those all start to matter more. Yeah. And those are all really good, like five tips right there. Those are great reasons why owning makes sense. Uh, and again, if you want more info on like the tax benefits, just listen to episode 58. People think home ownership is really more expensive than renting, but there are many ways that home ownership can actually save you some money. So let's shift gears a little. Jason, let's talk about what's going on in the Seattle rental market. It can be pretty tough out there right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bleak. Uh, one of the main reasons renting isn't a great idea in Seattle is the city just lost thousands of rental units in the last mm-hmm. year. And that's a trend that's been going on. We, we built some up, but it, it's been an evolution over time for sure. Yep. The writing's been on the wall. Or recent data from the Rental Housing Association of Washington shows that Seattle lost more than 3,400 properties in 2021, rental properties. That's equivalent to 11,500 plus units that's a lot yeah now roughly 2500 of those so about 75 percent were single family homes which are typically owned by small landlords this is also something that's changing over time unless uh we make some some changes to to some policies it's a thing to pay attention to i think so this is pretty surprising since may of last year may 2021 so like a year ago In the last year, only 27 rental units were added to our inventory as a city. So right now, the city is down roughly 11,500 rental units. This is just pretty incredible for a city the size of Seattle. Uh, We're losing that amount in a year. Hopefully, this trend reverses. As a result, rents are going up. No surprise there. And based on both a historically low supply and demand still remaining very strong, rent's going to keep going up for the foreseeable future. Basically, there are a few places to rent, and they cost more than ever. Supply and demand, baby. This Mm -hmm. is just another reason to get out of being a renter and into home ownership. Yeah, I mean, a personal example from me right now, uh, just this last week, we put one of our two-bedroom rentals. It's a duplex in Wallingford. Um, so the two bedroom side of the duplex, we haven't rented it out in years, like years and years, um, because we had the same tenant in there forever. And we were kind of curious, trying to figure out like, how do we price this? Where do we price this at? We, you know, did our research, we figured out comps, like comparable rents. And we were like, okay, well, we think this is a fair amount, maybe even slightly high. We were just like, we're going to test it and go a little bit higher than we think just to see if that's right or not. We had people blowing us up, like nonstop begging to let us show them the house. 
like minutes after we posted it. They would tell us their whole life story, why they're the best tenant in the world, all of these things just to get us to show them the place first so that they could have a shot at it. Um, It was, yeah, it's, it was kind of crazy. Like it rented out. It was the second group that I showed that took it. So, uh, and we had like 40 other people that we had scheduled over two other days that were supposed to see it that don't even get the shot at it. So yeah, Jason, those are some striking stats, but sadly, it's really not that surprising if you've been paying attention to the housing news in the Seattle area over the last two to three years. As a landlord myself, I am totally in favor of balanced laws that protect both the interests of the landlords and the tenants. However, over the last several years, Seattle's laws have increasingly favored tenants. So much so that small landlords, like mom and pop landlords, are just selling and getting out of the city. They are either going to other areas in Washington, or a lot of them are going to completely other states to buy investment properties and reinvest. They just do not want to deal with some of these overarching, somewhat ridiculous Seattle uh, landlord-tenant laws. Here are some of the reasons that so many mom-and-pop landlords are selling their Seattle rentals and moving. In Seattle, you cannot raise the rent more than 10% per year. So 9.9% is the max you can rent or increase your rent. What that means is, and I faced this firsthand, and I had this conversation with my tenants apologizing for having to do this, but we hadn't raised the rent, especially over COVID. We didn't raise the rent in one of our units for the entire, like really three-year period of COVID. And this year we had to. Property taxes and inflation have just skyrocketed, as have property insurance, homeowners insurance. All these costs have gone up. Plus, we still have to maintain the building, but we can't raise the rent more than 10%. And they were so under-rented because it had been three years that we could not make up that difference with a 9.9% increase which was really too bad. So, what this meant and what my land or what my tenants realized was Man, that means that every year Seattle landlords are basically going to increase rent 9.9% every single year, no matter what. And it's most likely going to be true. That's probably what's going to happen, which doesn't seem fair for anyone. Like the landlords don't necessarily want to do that. A lot of them don't, especially mom and pops, but that's kind of what's going to happen. So unfortunately, tenants, you're going to be seeing that a lot. Every year, a 9.9% or a 9% increase. Another reason why that uh, Seattle landlords are selling is the first come, first serve, meaning the first applicant that sees and, and is qualified gets the house. That means that the landlord can't like pick and choose anyone, even if like I own a duplex. Personalities do come into play when you're sharing a building with someone. If there's only two units, three units, four units, it doesn't matter how many, but personalities can make a difference and you're not allowed to choose. It's just like whoever comes in gets it. Another thing, you can't do criminal background checks in Seattle. Not at all. Kind of scary if you think about that as a tenant, kind of scary as well. You can't collect first, last, and deposit upfront anymore. Although you can do a payment plan for the last month's rent, as a landlord, you can't get that chunk upfront, which really helps to secure the rental and your financial um, outlook as a landlord, as someone that owns the property and has to upkeep it and worries that the tenant is going to stop paying the rent. There's nothing there to kind of help you other than your first, last, and deposit. 
And like I said, that deposit has to be divided over numerous months. And if you don't remember, we just finally wrapped up an extremely long eviction moratorium due to COVID. So a lot of mom and pop landlords, like Jason said, there were about 2,500 single family homes that were owned by small landlords in Seattle that are now off the market. Seattle lost 3,407 properties from May 2021 to May 2022 that were rentals. And out of those 2,500 of them about were single family homes. What this shift tells you is those small single family homes that you know normal people own are pretty much going to be extremely hard to come by. They're just not going to be available anymore in the Seattle area, uh, which is sad because those are great places for people to live. What's happening is the shift is going to big corporations that own large apartment buildings. That's who is going to be the landlord moving forward for most of Seattle, which in my experience, they don't really have much empathy or compassion. And uh, they're just all about the bottom line. Whereas, you know, a mom and pop landlord might have a little more compassion. So those are the reasons why, in our opinion, you should stop renting and possibly look into buying. But now I'm going to bring on my friend, Mr. Dan Keller, to talk about the mortgage side of owning real estate. All right. So now I have the one, the only Mr. Dan Keller. Dan Keller is a local mortgage advisor, and he's going to talk to us renting might not make the most sense for everyone. So Dan, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's good to be back. Yes. So Dan and I had a radio show on KKOL 1300 AM radio, which I'm sure you all <laughs> listen to. <laughs> we had that for a few years. Um, Dan, uh, thank you so much for joining. Uh, yeah. So we are recording this mid-June 2022. What is going on with the mortgage market? I know there's not much going on at all. Oh, wait, never mind. There's a ton going on. So <laughs> let's give a quick recap of where we're at. It is literally yeah. June 16th as we speak. So, well, yesterday to timestamp this, yeah. we taught a home buyer class, right? Yep. And yep. it happened to be the same day that the Fed, that we had been awaiting the Fed, the Federal Reserve, the Fed chairman. Uh, to come out and let it, uh, all of us know what they're going to do with the Fed rate to combat this inflation that we're all seeing. And it's no secret that we're all paying more at the pump and more at the grocery store and more for mortgage rates and stuff like that right now. So the Fed came out and raised the Fed rate yesterday, 75 basis points. So that's basically 0.75% of a percent. So almost a full percentage point to the Fed funds rate. Now that's not directly related to mortgage rates. You need to know that they're separate, but they do kind of work alongside each other. So what the Fed is doing is they're trying to combat inflation by raising the cost of borrowing money and mortgage-backed securities, mortgage rates are getting bundled up and included in that conversation. So to answer that question, mortgage rates are up. And you guys, I've been in the mortgage industry for almost 15 years. This is the highest that I've seen mortgage rates in my career. In fact, it's probably right there when I got into the mortgage industry in 08 and 09. 30-year fixed rates were in the sixes, and that's where we're at today. So we're at about six and a quarter for a 30-year. <laughs> it's so hard to say this because we've come out, out of the last two years in the twos and the threes, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, we are, we've, we've crested over that 6% mark for 30 year fixed rate mortgages. Mm -hmm. And where do you see that kind of going in the like short term and long term? Yeah. I mean, that's a really, really good question. Crystal ball. Uh, here's my guess at the crystal ball award yeah. for this year, which clearly um, is totally a guess. Cause who the hell knows, <laughs> but let's, let's just go with it. I think they're going to go up a little bit more and then come this fall winter, you guys, we're going to catch a break because I think we'll be out of, I think the fed, you got to root for the fed and this, and, and I'm having conversations with realtors and lenders about this daily. It's not a, this is no longer a political, like, you know, red versus blue. The blue says this. I think that both parties unanimously agree right now that we, that we've got to do something about the in inflation. Mm -hmm. And so I think you got to root for the fed and you got to root for the fed to raise the fed rates for now to get inflation under control. Because once inflation comes under control, mortgage rates will come back down. And the Fed's been crystal clear over the last few months that they have to do something specifically to slow down housing. Like they felt that housing was out of control. And I do believe, and I know you guys do too, that what we've experienced over the last two to three years is not sustainable. I mean, mm -hmm. it's yeah, been no. nice if you could flip a house or sell a house and make a, a large profit, but we need to get back to a more normalized market. And that's what the Fed is going to do by raising the Fed funds rate. So I think by fall, I think rates are going to go up through the summer. Okay. Um, by fall, we should catch a break. I think by winter and Q1 of 2023, we'll be back down into the fives and potentially into the fours because we'll be in a full fledged recession by then, which don't, when you hear the word recession, don't think of that as negatively. Don't think of 08 when you hear recession, think of opportunity that, Hey, finally, I can refinance that mortgage that I bought my first house this year, this summer, and my rate was 6.25, but now I can refinance it back down to four, four and a quarter and save, you know, four, five, six hundred $600 a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about real estate as a hedge against inflation. We've, mm -hmm. we've all heard that. Um, can you explain that concept? Absolutely. Yeah. And this is the short, simple uh, answer to that. So the CPI numbers came out, which are uh, numbers it's data that supports the inflation rate in the united states year over year you have to understand inflation is gauged it's recorded and compared year over year and so they're saying that right now core inflation is about 8.6 percent now mm -hmm. what is non-core is food gas services and we're seeing that in upwards of 20 30 40 percent yeah and and that will chill out in due time but let's just focus on core inflation at 8.6 percent mm-hmm how you beat inflation is to invest in things that give a greater return on your money than 8.6% eating away at your money. All right. Mm -hmm. Real estate historically over the last 30 years in the state of Washington has shown a return greater than 8%. So real estate's a great hedge. The stock market over the last 30 years has yielded a return greater than seven or 8%. So the stock market would be a good hedge against inflation. Others are saying, um, you know, like gold and silver, stuff like that. Some people are investing in oil. I don't want to get too complicated, but real estate is a long-term hedge against inflation. It always has been. It always yep. will be because there's only a certain amount of it. Yeah. So and the, the, the way that I think about it too, is that you are with inflation. That means that $1 is worth a than it was yesterday because the cost of everything is going up. Yep. And so you can buy less with that same dollar because a dollar doesn't buy you as much tomorrow. Correct. 
why real estate is such a good hedge against inflation is that you're getting a loan, a mortgage for hundreds of thousands of dollars that today is worth, you know, let's just easy round numbers. Let's just say a $500,000 loan today. That's worth $500,000, but that same loan tomorrow is worth slightly less than $500,000 with inflation. And in six months when inflation is even more, or when that continue to increase, if it's continued to increase, it's worth even less than that yep. 500 plus you're paying down the balance. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a very interesting um, way to hedge against inflation and why real estate is so popular with very big money people yep. <laughs> as well as just, you know, the normal people out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to, to kind of save your, save your pennies instead of having it sit in a bank and a savings account. Um, not not saving, but you're actually losing money every single day. So. Yep. You're paying down that mortgage with today's money mm -hmm. that is right now worth less versus, and then you're getting that return two, three, four years down the road or whenever you might sell that house, um, you know, or try to cash out on that. So absolutely, you're spot on with that. Yeah. All right. So we know that you keep tabs on the stock market and interest rates. Is there anything happening in the financial markets that are going to indicate where some opportunities lie for like home buyers and possibly homeowners in the future? Yeah. I mean, I woke up this morning nauseous because the stock market was down another 800 points this morning. So yeah, um, yeah which we're going to see that trend for a while, you guys. And so I think I, again, I look at that as kind of just like with a home with home values whether or not home values go down it doesn't really matter like like let's let's just use this as an example last year we all have homes and we all saw the homes that we own whether they're owner occupied or investment homes go way up in value in fact some of us were like oh my god like that's amazing and it insane just, at the same time and yes but yeah. here's the thing that didn't mean anything yeah. Unless I cashed out. And I know you're not cashing out of real estate. You're a long-term, mm -hmm. you're a hold, you're an investor. Yep. Same thing with me, you know, on our home. So it was like, yeah, it was nice seeing that big number next to my home value. But unless I cash that thing out, it doesn't really mean anything. So the opposite is true. If home values recede by 5% or 10%, there's no need to panic. Same thing with the stock market. All right. And so the way I'm looking at the stock market different than real estate right now is that the stock market is losing some steam, a lot of steam. I look at that as stocks are going on sale. The stocks that mm -hmm. I love, I love like Apple and Amazon and Google and Microsoft and what, uh, you know, waste management, and FedEx. I mean, these are long term Costco, long term stocks. A lot of these are on sale right now. So there's an opportunity right there. If you are in the stock market and you like the stock market, um, you're going to be able to get in now and even into the future until they find this bottom to invest and invest at a lower rate or a lower cost than people have been over the last few years on this upward run. Um, so one of the one of the strategies I'm using, and anyone can do this, you don't need a financial planner, is just dollar cost average every single week or every single month. Put X number of dollars into five of your favorite stocks that, you know, some of the ones that I just mentioned, it's not financial advice, but stuff like that. Real estate opportunities in real estate right now. If you look at crypto, the stock market and real estate and then our money. So those four things right now, real estate is the least volatile of all of them. Yep. And so I think there's opportunities in real estate right now. And don't let and I'll close with this. 
don't let these high interest rates discourage you. Like yeah. this is the opportunity of a lifetime. I actually did a video last week and put it on my YouTube where I said for home buyers right now, this is a generational type opportunity that you'll never have again. And what I mean by that is you can actually go out into the market. Um, uh, you can go out into the market right now and buy a house and refinance in six months to eight months. So you got the house without a bunch of competition mm-hmm. and you can refinance in six to eight months and lower your interest rate. These yeah. are opportunities right now that no one's talking about. So that's the big opportunity right now, I think, Christian. All right. And the opportunities that I'm seeing out there in real estate is, well, it used to be just getting your offer accepted. That was the deal. That was the opportunity. And that's just not the case anymore. Like we're not having 20 offers, 30 offers on every single house right now, like we were having over the last few years. Now we are having, you know, sometimes multiple offers, but sometimes they're the house is sitting for a week or two or three or four or six weeks. We're starting just, just starting to see that happen. And what that does is that means that the deal, the opportunity could be that you can convince the seller to take a lower offer, a lower priced offer than what they're asking. And maybe we could get them to accept an offer that includes them paying your closing costs. You can get up to 3% of your closing costs paid by the seller. So that's something that you could potentially get. That means that that 2 to 3% that they pay for your closing costs, that cash can stay in your pocket which you could then reallocate to remodeling your house, putting new floors in, redoing a bathroom, maybe doing part of a kitchen or new appliances, something like that where you can kind of, you know, get an opportunity to make your house your own. That's the that's the opportunity that I'm seeing right now. It's it's a fun time in the market to be honest. Uh, it sounds scary because rates are going up, but if rates go back down in a few months, which Dan is predicting, like you just said, Dan, uh, then, you know, maybe you can refinance at that point when rates do go down. Now, I also want to indicate that over the last you know, four or five years, when rates have been in the fours, maybe threes, and for a brief minute, 2% interest rates, they before that, rates were very commonly in the five to seven percent range that is much more normal that's much more of a standard interest rate threes and fours even twos that's extremely abnormal so if you look over the history of mortgage interest rates being somewhere between five and seven percent is pretty darn standard that's pretty common much more normal than the three percent that we have been used to and became accustomed to over the last few years so i just want to throw that out there that that is uh that was an abnormal time i know that's the most recent future so that's what's like in our in our brains as that uh, recency bias that we have but in history that's just not the norm So that's it for my conversation here with you, Dan. I really appreciate you being on. Uh, For our listeners, Dan Keller is a mortgage broker and regional sales manager for New American Funding. His NMLS number is 11349. And I would always say Niner when we were on the radio, but I don't think I'm supposed to do that. So (laughs) uh, you can find him on Instagram at MyMortgageGuyDan or on his website, which is also MyMortgageGuyDan.com. That's going to do it for this episode of the Awesome in Seattle podcast. As always, we at the Awesome and Awesome Group would love to hear from you, whether it's related to what we just covered today on the Awesome in Seattle podcast or 
about the home buying or home selling process in general, you can always reach out to us either on social media, you can go to our website, awesomenawesome.com, uh, or you can schedule a time to chat with us. All of our contact info is right online. Just Google us, you'll find us, uh, and we hope to hear from you soon. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.